Introducing the all-new 2023 Ford Bronco Sport, now available at Jim K. Ford. With its rugged design and off-road capabilities, this SUV is built for adventure. Whether you're heading off the beaten path or just cruising around town, the Bronco Sport delivers performance, comfort, and style. With four-wheel drive, terrain management system, and advanced safety technology, you can take on any road with confidence. Adventure awaits at 1438 Uville Drive in Orleans or JimKFord.com. At Jim K. Ford Lincoln, we say yes! Hi, it's Jacob Chikrin. You're listening to the Sens Nation Podcast. Welcome to the Jim K. Ford Sens Nation Podcast with Steve Warren and the coach, Greg Kennedy. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Jim K. Ford Sens Nation Podcast. It is Steve Warren along with the coach, Greg Kennedy. We're going to get into some dissecting Dorian right out of the gate. There'll be no jingle. It appears that I've deleted the jingle of dissecting Dorian. I know you're very upset by that. Oh, that's terrible news. You're like a Sinatra fan, I think, right? Or an Elvis fan. If I could get one of them to come back from the grave to sing the dissecting Dorian song, you still would not want to hear it. No, not, not as long as it's that song. No, no. All right, fine, fine, fine. Anyway, we'll get to that in a second here. And uh, yeah, it was uh, Pierre Dorian and DJ Smith. His players reported for physicals and their photos. Uh, They had a lot to say, as uh, many GM coach duos around the league were doing at the very same time. I had a chance to spend a couple of hours this afternoon with Jacob Chikrin, one of the relatively new Ottawa Senators, though there have been a bunch that have come along in the offseason here. And uh, we'll talk about that. And uh, we got much, much more beyond that. An update on Shane Pinto and, well, like I say, lots, lots coming up on the show. Greg, how are you today? <laughs> I'm good. Good, Stephen. Are you doing well? I, you had a good day. That sounds like fun out there at the at the track. Was there any? Yeah, the Hard Rock Casino. Used to be Rito Carlton Raceway. Now it's the Hard Rock Casino. And Jacob Chikrin, I guess, has an endorsement with the Hard Rock ca- Casino now. And uh, yeah, we met out there to do an interview for Faces Magazine. So there was a photo shoot and I had a chance to spend about, I don't know, 45 minutes chatting with him. And what a what a great guy. Really, really good guy. Really down to earth. You can tell he's been really well raised and really excited to be part of this organization. And uh, right out of the gate, let's talk about that. Uh, he had a, this is all, we're going to do this all for Faces Magazine down the line for their November, December issue. But here's a quick clip on what Jacob Chikrin thinks of that locker room. But this group here is is unbelievable. I mean, I couldn't believe when I got here, it's like the entire team is so young. And then you got this few guys like Claude Giroux and Hamannick and and now it's Harisenko and Corpus, Corpusalo. And um, it's just great veteran presence. But even those guys, like, they act like kids still. They want to be a part of this this young core, and it's like Claude Drew is one of the most competitive guys I've ever met, and he's he's like a kid still. He always wants to be up against the young guys, and um, it's just such a great integration of of um, young talent and guys who have been there and and done that and and have experience in the playoffs, and obviously Vladdy winning, and so I think it's. It's a great, it's a great, um, great thing we got going here, and um, for sure the guys are all pulling in the same direction, and and it's a tight knit, tight knit room for sure. So there's Jacob Chikrin, 
And like I say, Faces Magazine in the November-December issue will be the full feature there, the cover article. And yeah, like I say, great guy. And um, really, uh, I think he's going to fit in absolutely perfectly. We did talk a little bit about that left-right shot thing. And uh, he basically said, you know what, that's kind of a media-driven thing. And it's uh, really in line with what you've been saying all along and that it's not a huge deal for these guys, which way they shoot. There are pros and cons, advantages and disadvantages. Believe it or not, people, there are disadvantages to playing on your so-called strong side. Uh, and there are just as many advantages to playing on your offside. So I, I, I've never been worried about that. I just, I, I really like hearing, uh, you know how much we hear, how much it's a good group and we're all together and cohesive unit and we all love each other and like each other. And I'm sure there are people out there saying, well, you know, other teams, other years here, there were probably teams like that too. Or were those teams all, you know, coming at, at loggerheads and not getting along? And I think the fact that you never heard anybody talk about how positive it was and how great a group it was, I think that's a big message there, that some of those other teams definitely had problems, not just the rumored problems that we all heard about, but there were problems in the past in this dressing room. And it sounds like from anybody who's ever been in that room in the last year or two, anything they've had to say, none of that is there anymore. This is a really good, strong group. And one of the other things he talked about was, and what do you think about when you think about Jacob Chikrin? Great player, uh, but injury injury prone. I and mean, that's the rep that he has. And I basically learned a lot more about the nature of his injuries. And I've heard people say, well, maybe he works out too much, and that's leading to these injuries. It's just been basically one bit of bad luck after, after the next. In his rookie year, he's in arm prior, running up hills, stepped in a pothole. There's injury one. Just gets back, and then Michael Froley comes along and slew foots him, which you can actually see on YouTube. I looked it up. Uh, big knee injury there. Um, another wrist injury where, um, not another wrist injury, but another injury where he suffered a wrist uh, problem. A uh, guy just skates right through. He's extended, and somebody skates right through his arm. There's nothing you can do to prepare for those types of injuries. There can't be any discussion of, yeah, you're working out too hard or you're injury prone. Literally, those types of injuries could happen to anyone, regardless of how well you're keeping yourself in the offseason. Yeah, it's not so much that he's injury prone as that he's got bad luck, <laughs> yep. right? That, maybe that's more what the issue is here. It doesn't matter how well you eat or how well you train or how well you, you practice, how hard you work, how well you play. Uh, crap happens. And unfortunately, he's had his fair share of, of bad luck and, and bad luck injuries, and uh, hopefully he's got good luck on his side this season because it, it looks like there's uh, some other people maybe starting the year a little more injured than we think. Yeah. At the availability in the dissecting Dorian world, right out of the gate, I believe it was Gord Wilson who asked, is everybody healthy for the start of camp? Which we kind of thought was going to be the case. And then Dorian dropped this on us. Josh Norris tweaked something last week in the captain's gates. Uh, he'll be wearing a yellow jersey. He'll be taking full part in practice. Uh, Josh doesn't want to wear a yellow jersey. DJ doesn't want Josh wearing a yellow jersey. But we've made the decision that he'll wear one for a very short period of time. Uh, if the regular season was starting in a few days, he'd be playing. We're just being extra cautious here uh, with his ongoing rehab. The Norris tweet shoulder related. Is that why there's an uh, Yes and no, and I'm not a really a doctor, uh, so I can't. <laughs> uh, but it, it's nothing serious. Like if we were playing two days from now, he'd play. 
I, I think it's just we're just being extra cautious uh, to make sure that we have him at 100%. He's a big part of our team, and we know he's going to be a big part of us having success. So it, it is, but it's not uh, – it got a bit complicated when I found out a bit more about it uh, yesterday. Before he tweaked it, was he untired? How did he look on the ice, and was he feeling back to perfectly normal? Yeah, all great. Taking contact, everything good. And it's kind of like related, but not really related. So – he, he was taking contact and everything. It, we're just being extra cautious here. For the first few days of camp, we just felt, you know, let's make sure that he gets in all the DJ's practices. He gets ready, gets acclimatized to everything. That's why we're doing this. It, it's very, very minor. Let's put it at that. But I, I think we should be upfront and tell you everything. If we're on the topic, uh, DJ, what, what are you expecting out of him based on what you saw two years ago this year? Josh? Um, Obviously, anyone that takes that amount of time off is going to take you a little bit to get going. That's why um, the exhibition schedule is big for him, is to get a lot of reps in. Um, you know, there's a few things we're going to tweak with our systems. Uh, but ultimately, it's about him feeling comfortable. And uh, the more he plays, the more minutes he gets, uh, the more he's going to feel at ease in his own mind, in his own skin, his ability. And then once he gets that, his ability will take over. I'm, I'm pushing the panic button. I'm sorry. There it is. The panic button is pushed. No, I mean... It, it, you can go ahead and tell the fan base that it's nothing to worry about, but it's been eight months since the surgery, so most of the people in the fan base are going to go ahead and worry, Greg. Yeah, it, anybody who's ever popped out a shoulder knows it's never the same again. It's it's uh, the, the musculature in and around that bone has been stretched or torn, which causes the shoulder to pop out, and you can't shrink that muscle back down or tighten it back up again. That's what surgery is. They try to shorten things and, and make the muscle tight again, but it, it never really will be the same again. Shoulder injuries recur and recur and reoccur as for the rest of people's careers. Um, and, and even though Pierre has, a, has told us that he's not a doctor, really, I think even he would know that and understand that when they're talking to him that, yeah, you know, it's his shoulder. It's he's done it what two three times now. It's uh, this this is not good news, and this is the National Hockey League where you know injuries are described as upper body, lower body, or general body soreness, or however you want to say it. They never really come out specifically and tell you what an injury is. So how much can you trust them or believe them when they say it's just he's just tweaked something? It'll just be a couple days. So I, I worry about it. I'm I'm concerned about it come the opening of training camp, and and hope he's hope he's good to go, but. It wouldn't surprise me if he's not. Certainly the timeline that gets chucked around with something like that surgery was six months. And again, now we're at the eight-month mark. But we should point out that almost every doctor will tell you this. This is, okay, here's a number. But the reality is the rehab time is this. It's exactly how much time the athlete needs before it feels right again. And every patient is going to be different. And a guy named Daniel Offertson that was accused of being injury prone again and again and again, right around the age and somewhere in between where Josh Norris is and where Jacob Chikrin is. And, uh, you know, injury prone Euro, they were saying back in the nineties. Well, you know what? He, he ended up having a pretty good career when all was said and done. So, um, you know, we look at things in the micro and, uh, probably in the macro, things are going to be just fine. I hope. I hope, yeah. Especially when you consider he plays center on this team and the next center in the depth chart doesn't even have a contract yet. So who knows what's going to happen? We're, we're running out of time here. 
Meanwhile, Ridley Gregg, if you needed a replacement, hopefully that's not the issue. If Ridley Gregg makes the team, hopefully it's at the wing because that means the top three centers are all lined up. But if it's a Pinto contract situation or if it's a Norris injury, Ridley Gregg can probably do a pretty good third-line center impression. It's not not my optimum choice, but that's a that's a player uh, that's on his way. He had nine points in 20 NHL games last year. He was good in the, in, in the AHL, and he clearly put the work in over the summer because he was voted the third most fit Ottawa Senator on day one as the Sands reported for physicals. Yeah, I don't have a problem with Ridley Gregg being your number three centerman. Where I have a problem is who's number two, right? And if Ridley Gregg's number three and it's Shane Pinto in number two, then then there's a problem there, right? I think we're all in agreement there. Ridley Gregg could certainly, uh, I I think I think he may even end up surpassing Shane Pinto in some aspects of the game. I think Pinto may be the better scorer in the end, but I think that Ridley Gregg may be a better uh, physical presence and all round guy that you want in your three slot. But not. I don't want him in the three hole if Pinto's in two. I, Norris has to be here. This is the great thing about depth on your roster. You could go Stutzla, Giroux, Greg, and that's not horrible. Let's be honest. That's not horrible. Giroux's been on the wing for several years, but he did a decade at center ice, and he's still one of the best face men of his face-off men of his generation. And so you might be able to get away with that. And it's not ideal, granted, but uh, that's a possibility as well. Looking for a vehicle that's environmentally friendly and fun? Look no further than the Ford Mustang Mach-E, available now at Jim K. Ford. This electric car will have you laughing all the way to the bank with savings on gas and maintenance costs without giving up excitement and performance. And with zero emissions, you can finally breathe easy, literally. So if you want a car that's as exhilarating as it is eco-friendly, come down to Jim K. Ford today and take a spin in one of our Mach-E's today. Visit us online at jimkford.com. At Jim K. Ford Lincoln, we say yes! Pierre Dorian also updated Shane Pinto, and the update is nothing new. He had talked to him on Wednesday and still hopeful, but nothing done yet. And so one of two things is going to happen. Pinto gets traded or someone's going to get traded so they can sign Pinto. And the last few days has been some interesting dialogue on social media because I think the, the first name that comes to mind for most people when they talk about sacrificing someone off the roster to be able to pay Shane Pinto The first name that comes to mind is Matthew Joseph for a lot of people. But suddenly this week, Greg, Dominic Kubalik's name has been added to that particular fray. And I got to admit, yeah, that's someone you'd have to consider, wouldn't you? Yeah, for sure. He was kind of, I think he was on my list there as somebody that maybe they would think about moving. But I kind of ruled it out because, like it or not, kid, he's, he's sort of the centerpiece he, he's the only live uh, current roster player that you're going to have from the Debrinket deal. So I kind of thought, okay, they're not going to move him. But then again, w- w- why not? It's probably easier to move Kubalik and his money, his, his contract is better at one year uh, than, than the, the money you've got uh, Joseph signed to and the length you have Joseph signed to and the type of player that, that Joseph is. I think, Joseph is a far better two-way player and can kill penalties and do more for you. Kubalik, on the other hand, is probably really suited to play in the top six, and I don't know what kind of production you're going to get out of him on the third line with different players, but I think it would be easier to move Kubalik. Don't don't you think that would be the easier player to trade? Yeah, it's one year. It's $2.5 million, so both term and money are easier. And 
depending on your need, uh, has a better score. I mean, there's no question. The guy's had a 30-goal season in the NHL. Yeah, well, but what do you get for him? I think like the Tanner Pearson deal of, uh, what was that, yesterday, the day before, earlier in the week, the Tanner Pearson deal, it's Pearson and a third-round pick for Casey DeSmith. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that Pearson is is Kubalik. They're not comparable. Pearson's older, and Pearson's probably more of a closer player to Joseph. But if that's if that's the going rate for a middle six or bottom six forward, then then maybe you can move Joseph. But I don't know about the contract. But Kubalik, I'd like to think you could. The problem is you need to move the money that's and it. the player and not take back any contract. No, you're getting a guy that you hope is going to be awesome for you in Belleville or just straight up a draft pick. Yeah, you exactly. So that's all you get. So and it's if you're, and if you're moving Joseph, goes. it probably costs you uh, a convincer. Right? It, it costs you something else for right. somebody to take on that contract. So if you're moving Joseph, you probably move a Joseph in a second. Or, or you know what? There's probably teams out there asking for a first to take on Joseph's contract. So it makes more sense both financially and from a roster situation. It probably makes more sense to move Kubalik. Igor Sokolov has a new contract, though. That's certainly encouraging. Um, he's not in the realm of where Shane Pinto is in terms of his value to the team. That's quite obvious. I'm not sure he's ever going to be an NHLer, but he gets a one-year contract. He'll make $775,000 in the NHL, $120,000 in the AHL. I, I don't want to give up on the guy just yet. I, I think he's the complete package. The guy's a load. Like he's, I don't know, he's 6'3", 222. And then he's got uh, you know some offensive skill. It just and his skating is fine. He just doesn't have quickness. He has like once he gets up to speed, and he's if you need a guy to go goal line to goal line, his, his speed is just fine. It's that quickness that he lacks. And uh, so I don't want to give up on on him yet. And I guess the Sens don't either. But I guess my question is, Greg, why would that take all summer <laughs> to get the most basic of contracts done? Well, I, it, priorities probably right. There were there are other priorities. And he ended up being left to the end. I assume that's what it was. Or, you know, maybe he was one of the names out there. You're hanging on to his rights to put him in a package with somebody else. Like we just talked about. If you're trading uh, Joseph, then maybe you got to trade a sweetener with it. Mm-hmm. I don't know that Sokolov would have been the right sweetener, but you never know. Or maybe if it was going to be, if it was going to be Branstrom, then it's Branstrom and Sokolov for a second round pick or your, whatever you're trying to get. I'm sure he was probably in discussions for, for trade up for trade over the course of the summer. And also probably a little bit of, like I said, he was from the priority list. He wasn't up there all that high. I'm sure all along they were, well, we're just going to sign him to the minimum. Anyway, we'll do it. We'll do it at the end when we know what kind of money we have left. Moving on to what I thought was an interesting question at today's news conference with Pierre Dorian and DJ Smith. Ian Mendez is seen as the nicest guy in the Ottawa media. Great friend of the show. And I've probably known him for 25 years. I consider him a friend. So I'm not, I'm not on, a, on a witch hunt or anything like this, but I thought this was an awfully tough question. <laughs> to like Almost like, here's a grenade. Uh, let's see what you can do with it. Um, so as all, I, I'd say about six, seven questions into today's news conference. Our good friend Ian Mendez hit poor old Pierre Dorian with this. And, and, and yeah, my other question would be, and maybe each of you can answer this. You got a brand new owner coming in, in Michael Landlauer. And I'm wondering, do you feel like right now that you guys are kind of 
auditioning, so to speak, for uh, for your jobs with the new owner coming in? Not for me. Uh, I think both of us, we know what the plan has been from the get-go when we started this rebuild. Uh, I, You know, for, as far as DJ, and Mike told me that I was the one that decided the coach's faith, and I have as much faith in DJ as I've had. Our, originally, our plan was to rebuild, was to develop the young players. He's done that. He's developing into what I think they all can be, He's, whether it's Tim Stuchel, Jake Sanderson, whomever on this team. I think DJ's done a great job of doing that. And it went on from there. So you can tell Pierre Dorian was a little bit flustered at getting a question like that. It was like basically one of those justify your jobs for us. And uh, what did you think? Is that a fair question? Is that, <laughs> to, to, I mean, it's a tough question for sure. I think it's a fair question. You brought up a, a point earlier before we started here, but to me, maybe you could, maybe you soften it a little and say, hey, you've got new ownership coming in. Uh, you know, the team has been built for now. Uh, all the players are here. You've done this. You've done that. Uh, you've had bad starts in the past. Do you feel like your first two months of the season here are make or break time for you in your current positions? You know, something along those lines where it's a little softer. But then you, you, your feeling is, well, isn't it kind of obvious? <laughs> Everything I just said is pretty obvious, isn't it? So does the question really need to be asked at all, I guess, is where you're coming from, right? Well, yeah, I mean, it's it's yeah. a new owner. You've just missed the playoffs as the GM six straight years, as the coach four straight years. This guy doesn't know you from a hole in the wall until he wins the thing in June, and then he starts talking to people, and he's decided to give them an opportunity uh, to you know get this thing sailing in the right direction, get back to the playoffs. I think it goes, <laughs> honestly, it goes without saying that this is, by its very definition, a season-long job audition. It just, I don't know. That that question had a lot of teeth from the very very friendly Ian Mendez today. <laughs> ah, it needed to be asked. Uh, Did it? If if yes, if for no other reason than I want to hear uh, an answer. Uh, like let's face it, these guys do interviews. You included. Half the questions are just lobs because we want to hear you say something that 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 fits our thoughts, and our thoughts are. You guys are in a tight spot. You're on the hot seat here. You know, what do you, what do you think? So we want to get you to say something along those lines. And in Pierre's case, he, he, he believes that he's got a good working relationship with Michael Landlauer and he's just continuing along with the plan. He doesn't feel nervous at all. Whether that's the truth or not, doesn't matter. He's now on record as having said that. And that was his way of addressing anyone out there who's ever going to bring up the hot seat question. Maybe I'm just looking at things because, uh, you know, I, I try to maintain some objectivity in this process, but as someone who grew up here, there's always going to be a little part of me. I mean, you know, I own a show called the Sens Nation podcast, <laughs> and uh, so I obviously have a fondness for the organization, and I probably let that seep into things, and I have this, this, this part of me that has this emotion right now that it's a fresh start, a, a brand new day. I guess there's a little bit of me that's in the cheerleader mode, I suppose. And uh, well, it, that's probably could, where that's coming from. If I could say this, if Ian is the nicest guy in Ottawa media, you're probably number two, Steve. Oh, well, that's nice like, of you to say. So, so that's, that's, that's a, that, that kind of factors into your thoughts on this whole thing too. Cause, cause you're a super nice guy too. And you wouldn't want to say, say something or ask something that might be a little uncomfortable or, or seen as harsh or whatever. So I think that probably factors into it too. You're, you're yeah. just too good a guy, Steve. You wouldn't come out and ask those questions. 
But uh, I would like you to re- I, 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 this whole dissecting Dorian. I want to hear the very beginning of his response. I'm pretty sure he says Mike. He didn't say Michael. I'm pretty sure he said Pierre said Mike in the beginning of his answer. Oh, really? Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah, I, thought, I thought, wow, okay, it's Mike, is it? Gotcha. Okay, very good. Well, he does seem like if you saw Michael Landlauer, who showed up at the golf tournament mm-hmm. and actually got behind the podium and said a few words, um, which flies in the face of everything that we've seen the last few months, did not, you know, he just he just stiffed our mayor on the 14th, <laughs> and then by the 19th, he's, you know, talking in front of an entire golf course and, and TV cameras and such, but he seems like a great guy. I mean, he's taking photos where he's doing the rabbit ears behind people and stuff. He's he, you can tell, yeah, he's a really engaging guy, no question about that. Um, but if you're looking into things, and I, I guess my point was going to be that um, he seems like a Mike. He's a, yeah, he's a Mike. <laughs> he's a Mike for sure. Um, but the uh, the other thing that Dorian, if you're just reading between lines and stuff, that Dorian said he threw he threw at Friday specifically Friday, and then corrected himself. He says, oh, by the end of the week or something like that. Um, it wouldn't shock me that it gets done actually on the day, Friday. Uh, we'll right. see in terms yeah. of the sale. Um, 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 if we were betting people, uh, we'd, we'd go with Friday, wouldn't we? I, I would. think we would. Yeah. I think we would. And so as far as Andlauer goes, like almost the second he's hired, we're going to start seeing what I believe to be a series of new hires for the organization. And it's a lot of the usual suspects, but it's also – some names that are recently coming to light. Uh, one of which I wanted to share with you on a recent podcast episode. I actually I gave you his name on the on the podcast, but then I said I can't use it right now because the source I got it from was sensitive to it. And now the name is trickled out there in other places, so we can get into it. But some of the names we've talked about before: Steve Steos, um, Daniel Alfredson, Cyril Leader. In fact, Brent Wallace went one further and actually called his shot and said he'll soon be introduced as the team's new CEO. So that's right at the top of the food chain. But then you've also got Matthew Darsh, which was the name I'd thrown at you a couple of weeks ago. He's the assistant general manager and director of hockey operations for Tampa Bay. He was a candidate for the recent GM openings in both Chicago and Montreal. And Andlauer is a fan of his. And Peter Shirelli's name comes up. I'm like, I'm a fan of Peter Shirelli, the guy, but he's had a, I mean, the last few years, his time in Edmonton, for example, he was not a very well-regarded hockey executive from his time there. But if you go back in time, a 2011 Stanley Cup in Boston, his time here in Ottawa as the assistant GM, very, very well-regarded. And I like the guy, and he's smart as a whip, but I just had some, uh, he's had a bad run there at the end of his days in Edmonton. But he's also seen as someone who's uh, potentially going to be part of the Sens brain trust. So what do you think of those names? Peter Shirelli caught me a little off guard. Kind of surprised to hear that. But, uh, geez, you know, is this another one of these old school hockey guy regurgitate? No, what's the right word? Recirculate, bring them back. You recycle, that's the word. Uh, You know, like how often do do we see that? Um. But we both said that we wanted people with experience. Like we're both on record as saying, whoever the next coach is, he better be an experienced NHL coach. We don't want a neophyte. So if if, if Peter Shirelli's coming in as a consultant, I have no problem with that. He's he's a good hockey guy. He's he's, he's got a background as an agent. Uh, 
and in, in player recruitment that in that sense and, and some evaluation skills. He can bring a lot to the table. He certainly would have dealt with many, many general managers over his career, both in Boston and Edmonton as a GM. Uh, so he can he can bring a lot of things to the table. I, I I wouldn't have a problem with that. I think that's I think and he's local, right? That's another one, local and been in the organization before. So I I, I think that'd be a good a good decision. Yeah, I mean it's a you know over the years obviously I've had a chance to talk to him a number of times and uh, first class character. The Barhaven uh, Old Timers League. His brother was my winger for many years. Excellent hockey player. Uh, but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm a big fan of him and the family, and so I think uh, I would not object to that, despite the fact that there are probably people yelling at their devices right now, saying after that time in Edmonton, that's not for them. But the reality is, uh, I'm a fan of the guy, so I'd be good with it. I used to deal with Peter when he worked for Larry Kelly, and uh, Peter was like Larry Kelly's right hand man, Larry Kelly, NHL agent, and every year he'd put together a a prospects team of players that were in the in the family of, of uh, clients of theirs, and I would coach them in a in a prospects tournament every spring to try to get them some exposure for scholarships and for, for junior A invites and pro invites and things. So it was always my my dealings with Peter Shirelli have always been great. Ed, I echo everything you just said. I don't know him to the to degree that you do, but yeah, good guy, good hockey guy, not a problem. Larry Kelly, another guy I played old timers hockey with. The connections. Really yeah, very good guy for sure. Uh, let us call it quits there, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, of course, training camp will be continuing. Uh, we'll get to, uh, gosh, we're only two or three days away from the first preseason game as they take on the Toronto Maple Leafs. Saturday, Sunday. And they're both on TV. Love it. And then the Winnipeg game is on next week on TV too. Very good. So, yeah, we'll look forward to that and uh, keep an eye on things at training camp. Our next episode is coming up on Friday. And thank you for being with us today, ladies and gentlemen. Don't forget our website is SendsNationHockey.com. I've also got uh, lots of articles up right now at The Hockey News. I'm the site editor at THN.com slash Ottawa. So check out The Hockey News for all your latest Senator information. Greg, enjoy your, I don't want to say the full week, because we're going to be back together in 48 hours. So have a good 48 hours. We'll talk to you next time. Can't wait. See you then. Thanks for being with us on the Jim K. Ford Sends Nation podcast. If you're enjoying the show, please subscribe and review. Share the show with your friends and followers or become a member on Patreon. Check out our website today at SendsNationHockey.com.